Good morning. It's so fun to rejoice together and praise God. And remember that he's king. He's a redeemer. He heals us. He heals our land. I love how uh, worship brings us back into focus. So often when I'm not worshiping, I lose focus of how incredible God is and how much he loves us and how much he cares for us and how his promises don't fail, how his promises prevail. I'm so thankful to serve God and follow Jesus. Uh, recently, I've been meditating. Um, a few of us have been meditating on Ephesians 3. It's just um, actually a couple of years ago, we actually prayed it over one another right here in our midst. And I'm, I'm thinking about bringing that back again, but not today. Uh, you can still pray for one another. You can still pray Ephesians 3 for one another. But Paul, he's praying for the Ephesian church. And he says, um, when you know God, when you know life in Christ, um, it's a long prayer. It's a beautiful prayer. He says, your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. I'm reading just a part of it. Let me start it again. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. That's what we do during worship. We're, we're giving God space to help our roots grow down deeper so that we can flourish and be strong. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. It's multidimensional. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Isn't that amazing? We can never get to the end of understanding God's love for us. Then you will be made complete or whole. I love that. I love this idea of wholeness. We will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Do we not want that? <laughs> Amen. The next, few, um, the next few weeks, we're going to be start talking about roots and uh, this image of roots because life in Christ is about having deep roots. So often in our walk with the Lord, you can't, what you see on the surface comes from deep roots. It comes from roots. Where are your roots? Where are you rooted? There's lots of overwhelming amount of pictures in scripture about plants and um, plants and trees. Uh, there's a picture of Jesus being the vine and we are the branches. We, we abide in him. So there's this image of roots and trees and plant life and greenery. Today though, I want to start with two parables that Jesus told, stories that Jesus told in Mark 4. I'm going to start with these two parables, unpack them a little bit, and then tell a couple stories. Mark 4, 26 through 32. The kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crop on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally, the grain ripens. 
As soon and as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. So here's the next picture. Jesus said, how can I describe the kingdom of God? What story should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds come and make nests in its shade. Do we have any farmers or gardeners in the house? Woohoo! A couple of people raise their hand. I'm looking at you back there. <laughs> I love gardening, but truth be told, my backyard is a total mess right now. <laughs> but I love my front yard because in my front yard, it's on the east side of my house and it has shade in the evenings. And I don't like to garden in the blazing hot sun of the summer, so my front yard gets a lot more attention. I like to go there in the evening when it's cool and, you know, deadhead plants, look at my tomato plants, look at my native plants, look at my rhubarb, my oregano, my lilies. And I just like to be in there. And sometimes, truth be told, and everyone who's grown something knows, you, you gotta relate to me. Sometimes I just sit there and stare. Like, is it, has it grown? Is it moving? Do I have a new shoot? Or, right? Jesus used a lot of hands-on work-life analogies. Jesus didn't live in an automated fast food civilization, right? And I think even if he did, I think he'd still be telling us parables and stories about places or processes that are slow, maybe a little out of our control, things that are really earthy. Now, I like fast. I like Cafe Rio and Zubas. I like that you go to the front of the line, you pick out exactly what you want. And it, I, I don't know what their time is, I've never timed it, but I feel like three minutes later, I have the meal I want. I don't know. But the kingdom of heaven, is it, is it like that? Do you get in line and pick your protein? I'd like revelation protein, please. I'd like a little joy on top. Um, let's see, healing. Do I want black or pinto? <laughs> Inner healing or physical healing? I'll take emotional healing today. <laughs> And let's finish with some breakthrough vinaigrette. And yes, I'm in and out of here in three minutes. I'm fixed, it's done. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Jesus' stories back then are still good today. They're, still, they're good analogies about farming and gardening and fishing and shepherding and baking. We all went into a baking craze in 2020, right? You need that yeast. We all finally learned what, what, what makes bread good, right? Sourdough yeast. These parables tell us what the kingdom of heaven is like. So let me talk a little bit more about these parables. We know from a previous story that Jesus told that the seed is the word of God. It's the message of Jesus, the good news. From that context, we can see Jesus, we can see Jesus is the farmer. He was there three years planting the word and it was falling on all sorts of different kinds of soil. Some people received it, some people didn't. 
In the same way, we know that we are called to share the good news and so we can relate to the farmer so the principles are good for us too, right? So let's break it down. The first thing he says is it's like scattered seed, seed that is thrown or let go of. I looked up the root word of what it means and it actually said like violently thrown, thrust, cast out. It's not like zinnia seed. My zinnia seeds, that's a flower, they're so light and expensive and in this little packet. And I just, I make sure each one is placed so it grows, you know, unless I have a ton of them. No, it's more like the seed I need to throw in my backyard violently, <laughs> grass seed everywhere, liberally, lots of grass seed. That's what the king, that's what, the farmer wants a scattered seed. When we see God as the farmer, not all seed was cheap and inexpensive. I've got lots of stories about that, but I don't have time to tell them today. When we see God as the farmer tossing seed, sometimes seed is really valuable. It's incredibly meaningful because it's wasteful for a farmer to throw seed away on soil that might not produce, right? But the Jesus film, I like this comment I saw. The farmer is so hopeful, God is so hopeful that he's willing to do it anyway. It's not wasteful to him. Jesus doesn't differentiate between worthy and unworthy soil. He throws as much grace and gospel seed as he can because he's just so consumed with a desire to see us be reconciled to him. That's how passionate Jesus is, that he scatters seed. The next thing, it's night and day while the farmer is asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. We don't always get to see what is happening beneath the surface, do we? We know that that seed and that soil are working in some special way, but we don't get to touch it there. We have to put our faith. In fact, if we touch it, we might mess it up. We have to leave it there and put our faith in Jesus and his power and his word and his work in our lives and the lives of those we love around us. Growth underneath the surface, root growth, is often horribly gradual. <laughs> I've been trying to grow cactuses. My goodness, do I stare at them. <laughs> Come on. It's gradual and sometimes imperceptible. I love that night is referenced. When things are resting, things are dark, things are quiet, God is at work. But then, all of a sudden, I have a prickly pear cactus that just started growing. I was so happy. The earth produces the crop on its own. Farmers work super hard. They prepare soil. They deal with pests. They watch the seasons. This is what God does. This is what we do, right? We're watching, we're seeing, we're doing what we can. But ultimately we know that something takes place independent of our efforts. 
And we know it's a bit of a mystery, but we know that we can't speed it up or force it. We have to allow, we have to surrender to the God who does the work. In that next parable about the mustard seed, it illustrates that it's the smallest of seeds that can become the largest of garden plants. I've read the Bible for a long time. I've read the gospels over and over again. But whenever I read this parable in the past, I always had this picture of this itty bitty mustard seed and this giant tree with branches and nests and birds and this ecosystem and this giant thing. And while studying for this today, I realized I've been misreading this. <laughs> it's not a tree, it's a garden plant. It only gets to six feet high, this mustard seed plant. It shows my bias, right? How much I want to see my cactus turn into a six foot saguaro or something like that. How much I want to see the seeds I've planted look big and notable and strong and beautiful like an oak tree. I don't know why. In my mind, the mustard seed was a Palestinian oak tree, <laughs> but it's not. A first century writer called Pliny the Elder, this is what he said about mustard seed. Mustard with its pungent taste and fiery effect is extremely beneficial for health. It grows entirely wild. When it has once been sown, it is scarcely possible to get the place free of it. What would we call that today? <laughs> A weed? <laughs> as the seed when it falls germinates at once. Wow. I was gardening uh, the other day and I have these big uh, flagstone rocks in, in the spot in my dirt. And I noticed a little, little itty bitty weed peeking out from the corner of the rock. And I thought, oh, gotta get that thing. So I lifted it up kind of like this, just planning to just like grab it out, and all of a sudden I just saw this intricate web of, I think it's morning glory, I don't know the names of my weeds, but it was just like covering the whole spot and it was deep and I was like, no! And you know, I yanked it out and was happy I got it. But in this parable, that's what we're getting a picture of, of a seed that just sprouts even under the rocks even in the spots where you don't think it can be, it's there growing. That's how powerful it is. Dare I say how intrusive it is. The kingdom of heaven, the seed, the word of God, it comes in and it, it penetrates our hearts in deep and profound ways. Hallelujah, that's what I want. So I wanna tell a few stories about seed. One is from when I was a kid, and um, I had a children's church teacher named Zelma. I wanted to name Jane Zelma, but Aaron said no. <laughs> Zelma Jane. Zelma was like, like a spiritual grandma to me. 
I, she's part of my whole spiritual formation. I don't remember church without her. She was just this radiant grandma with a smile on her face and the joy of the Lord, even though I learned later in life, she had been through some incredibly difficult things, like all of us, right? She'd been through some really tough stuff. And yet she taught us little children with so much joy and vision. She planted vision in my life. She would tell, uh, she would teach us songs of joy. She taught us scripture. She told lots of stories, parables that taught us about the kingdom of heaven and modern day examples. She was a great, phenomenal storyteller. One of the things she planted in me was a love for all peoples, the, the nations. She, we would get letters, you know, this is the late, I don't know, this is the early 80s. We, we would get letters from China. We'd get letters from the mission field and we'd read them. She'd open them and we'd read them with her. She, we would make, take offerings for people we were supporting or wanted to give to. On one weekend later on, when I was older, I was about 12, I think, um, I spent an evening with her. I spent the night at her house in her apartment, and she pulled out all her photo albums from when she was a missionary um, to Alaska and how she'd sown the word and planted the seed. And I remember so distinctly when she's telling these stories, this, this thing inside of me saying, I want to tell the good news. I want to be a witness to Jesus. I want to tell people about the Lord. I think about her planting the seed in a child. And I have, I have planted. She planted a seed in me that was small, right? And she nurtured it and she watched it grow. And I've been able to cast that seed and scatter that seed all over the place, all the way here to Utah. I'm telling people about the love of Jesus, telling people about the good news. She would have never known that this little girl who wanted to know about her escapades on a dance team, you know, in the 40s or something, and her trip to Alaska when it was the last frontier, she would have never known the seed the fruit and the harvest that would come from that. Ecclesiastes 11.6 says, go to work in the morning and stick to it until evening without watching the clock. You never know from moment to moment how your work will turn out in the end. That's what seed is like. You never know where the seed is gonna go. Don't underestimate the power of the seed you sow. Don't grow weary if you don't see answers to your prayers. We don't know how our work is gonna turn out in the end, amen? Dormant seed. I wanna tell a story about dormant seed. Sometimes there's dormant seed in our life. What happens when a viable seed this happens when a viable seed, like a good seed, is put in bad soil or unfavorable environmental conditions, or when good seed is, or seed that isn't ready is put in good conditions. We don't quite know 
why this happens sometimes when seed doesn't germinate and seed doesn't grow to fruition. I have a personal story about this. I tell this story a lot in our Freedom Seminar. I think I've told it a lot here, but it's my testimony. I'm gonna tell it again. There was a time in my life, because I think there are new people that may need to hear it too. There was a time in my life when I was in college, newly married, where I recognized a couple of areas in my life that were not healthy at all. They were, it was like, it was, one was fear. Fear was just this kind of life dominating issue that I had. And it just constantly harassed me. And it got to the point where I was having panic attacks. And during this time, I was learning about the power of confession, forgiveness, prayer, and deliverance, and that I could get freedom from this fear. So I spent some time. I got together with some friends in my life, with some mentors. Those of you know Corky and Sharon, but I got together with some people. You can get together with people and you can confess and you can forgive and you can reject things and you can pray for things with friends and family and other believers. And it was a radical encounter and God miraculously freed me. Like it felt like overnight. <laughs> And I was like, wow, that was like the mustard seed, right? It was like, it was planted, it germinated, and it grew. Yeah, hallelujah. Well, but there are other things in my life that I didn't get free so quickly. And that's, that's troubling to me. It's hard for me. It's discouraging to me. And there was another area, and I call it um, a spirit of poverty, Let's see, I lost my place in my notes. It's, it's like a fear, but it's a little bit more specific. I would worry about finances. I wasn't unable to give cheerfully. I had fear about the future. I had insecurity when talking about our budget, really anything financial. Something as simple as grocery shopping would stress me out. <laughs> Isn't that sad? <laughs> Can, people can relate. I hear people who can relate. And we know what happens with fear, right? It leads to control. Not the godly kind, the self-control, but the control while we're trying to control everything else around us. So I knew this wasn't healthy. I knew this wasn't whole. I knew I wasn't complete living the life in Christ that God wanted for me. And so I started praying with it and contending for it. And I hate to say it, it took me about 10 years to get over this beast. Now I can hear you all saying, Sarah, this is not an encouraging story. <laughs> the thing is, is we have to tell the truth, right? Sometimes this is a reality in life. Sometimes we contend for things a little longer than other things. Sometimes the word of God is deposited in us. Sometimes the truth, the kingdom of heaven, we've got it. We know it. We know it's there and we're holding on to it. But sometimes it takes a while to see that seed take root. Don't give up. I'm here today to say, don't give up. Don't turn to sowing other seed. 
Keep the seed of the good news of Jesus. Jesus is the author and perfecter of your faith, and he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Don't give up. One day I was gathering with a bunch of believers and a man had a word of knowledge for me, which is insight from the Holy Spirit. And kabam, I felt something shift in my spirit. I had a radical encounter with God. I had no idea what it was. I was like, what just happened to me? I left this gathering and I was like, God did something, but I don't know what. It took a couple weeks And all of a sudden, these little things started happening. Aaron and I were talking about our finances, and I didn't cry. We went to give to someone, and it was easy. A friend unexpectedly, unexpectedly, very unexpectedly, inherited a large sum of money. And instead of doing what I would have done before, like, ah, that never happens to me. Well, good for him. Wish it could happen to me. You know, this kind of, hey, what was me? I was like genuinely deep inside of me, like, this is incredible. How amazing. What is the Lord going to do in his life with this? All of a sudden, I realized that's what happened when I had that encounter with God. In a letter to the Galatians, Paul is speaking to believers about how to care for one another and bear each other's burdens. And he's talking about sin. He's talking about areas where we have weaknesses and bondage and iniquity and we behave badly and hurt one another and hurt ourselves. In this passage, he's talking specifically about selfishness but the principle could be applied to any area of bondage or life-dominating issue in our life. Listen to this. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds and he'll have to show for his life and all he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. Let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued to doing good. At the right time, we're gonna reap a harvest, a good crop, if we don't give up or quit. If you have life-dominating issues in your life, Let's pray. First of all, reach out. Let's pray. We want to pray for you. We want to work with you. We want to help you see freedom. But if you're still struggling in areas, keep planting in response to God and let the Spirit do growth work in you. At the right time, you are going to reap a harvest, a good crop. Don't give up. Don't quit. Hold out for the life God has for you. I've got one more story about dying seed. (laughs) We've all heard Jesus' words when Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. 
but if it dies, it produces much grain. Oh, this is one of those difficult things about following Jesus. We actually, we actually have to die. That's it. We actually die to ourselves. It's a paradox of kingdom living, right? When we die, we live. When we die in Christ, we gain life in Christ. This is a story about a Moravian missionary named George Smith, who went to Cape Town, South Africa in 1737. And I'm gonna read this story. George moved to a place called Bavianskloof. I'm sure I'm saying it terribly wrong. <laughs> Corky and Sharon could <laughs> correct me, but it was also known as the Valley of Baboons. So that must've had a lot of baboons around there. <laughs> He was the first Protestant mission station in, Southern, in South Africa. He built himself a home and he planted a pear tree in this new garden. He befriended and educated a group of displaced Khoi people and taught them to farm so they wouldn't go hungry. After five years of educating the community and sharing the faith with them, he baptized the first followers of Jesus in that place. News of the baptism upset a lot, many people in the state church. The scrutiny he came under and the opposition to his mission that followed led to his departure just six years after his arrival. In 1736, he'd given up his life to go there. The idea of going back would not have been very possible. The sea, he probably felt, can you imagine how he felt? Did you wonder, he must've felt like a failure. He must've felt like, what have I done? He must've felt like the seed was dead. 50 years later, after he died, a new generation of Moravian missionaries returned to find out what had happened. Arriving back in Bavianskloof, three missionaries soon located the ruins of his house. In the garden, to their amazement, stood a giant pear tree. How beautiful. The results of the tiny shoots that he had planted. But even greater surprises were in store. They soon made an acquaintance with an old woman named Magdalena. On finding out who they were, she introduced herself as an original believer who had been baptized 50 years earlier. The light of faith still burned brightly in her heart. And for half a century, this remarkable woman had nurtured and led the indigenous church which Schmidt had founded among the Khoi people. She drew out a small leather bag and asked if her daughter could read something from the New Testament. They listened astonished as a second generation believer read to them from a Bible given to them by Schmidt. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or not, or sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, and he does not know how. George Schmidt did not have to be present for that sapling he'd planted to grow into a pear tree, nor did he have to be in South Africa for the gospel seed he'd sown to grow into a thriving church. God had been present, sustaining and growing those first shoots of life. 
the next generation of missionaries continued the work developing a self-sufficient, literate agricultural community with a strong spiritual life. Within a decade, the governor of the region was so impressed with the impact of Bavianskloof, the Valley of Baboons, that they renamed it Genadendal, which means Valley of Grace. In 1995, in recognition of its remarkable history, Nelson Mandela changed the name of the official residence of the president of South Africa from Westbrook to Genadendal. He was making the amount, in the announcement, he expressed a desire that the office of the president should always be under God's grace. Isn't that a beautiful story? of the power of small seed, what might look like dead seed, glory, growing and flourishing to the point that it affects a region and even the places of leadership. That's the power of the good news. Psalm 126, five through six says, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Sometimes we water the seeds of the word with tears, right? Sometimes we water in trial, but we will return like Zelma with shouts of joy. I wanna close it's a little bit of a footnote, a little bit of a footnote that we find in Mark right after those two parables. Mark says, Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables, but afterward, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. This little footnote stuck out so strongly to me the last couple weeks. I've just told you some of Jesus's parables. I've told you some parables from modern day life or history and you might not understand them and you might disagree on the interpretation or how I said them or what I gleaned from them, but that's okay. <laughs> that's what happens in the multitudes. That's what happens when we hear stories. Your discipleship, your journey with Jesus it doesn't just happen here on a Sunday morning. It doesn't happen when you watch a YouTube video or listen to a podcast. Your growth happens when you commit to being a disciple of Jesus and you get with other disciples or you get alone with Jesus and you say, Jesus, will you explain this to me? Will you help me understand this? Will you help this take root in me? Because we can listen to things as multitudes, 
but it's when we get with Jesus alone. I'm just going to read that one more time. Afterward, when Jesus was alone with his disciples, he explained everything to them. That's my encouragement to you today. As you leave with these stories and these ideas and principles, go home, go with your friends, go to lunch and talk about them. How do they apply? How do we follow Jesus? What does this mean for me? So, can we all take a minute and stand and respond if you're willing, if you'd like to? No pressure. I'm not going to force you to grow, or I can't. I don't want to. <laughs> but if you're willing, just hold out your hands. Imagine you're a sower, you're a farmer, a gardener, and you've got seed in your hand. Let's just take a minute to be silent before the Lord and talk to him with your inner voice about the seed that you've planted in other people's lives, in your own life, in the land. Let's just hold that seed before the Lord for a minute. Jesus, we want to good, be good farmers. We want to be good sowers of the seed you've given us. Help us not be fatigued. Help us not be weary in sowing seed in our lives, in people around us, or in the land. We come to you and we say, do your work under the surface. Do your, your um, watering, your growing, the mysteries of how you work. We give you permission today to establish roots in our lives, in the lives of others without us trying to force or push or whatever, Lord. We just, we trust you, God, to do your work and to allow our roots to grow down deep. Thank you that you bring healing in our lives and those around us in the land. You bring healing and that you are doing, you deposited seeds in us today during worship of healing. We ask for that healing to take root in us today so that we can abide in you, grow, and bear more fruit and extend more healing. I bless this church family. I bless those who are listening. I bless, I bless the seed in Jesus' name, amen.